excellent discussion today. I went to Croatia a short while ago, specifically to meet uh, Professor Gordon Lautz, who's COVID advisor to the Croatian government, also a professor of molecular biology and CEO of a gen genomics company. Uh, and I also met some other key individuals there. So this discussion we had at Professor Lautz's villa and unbelievable kind of surroundings there beautiful place and we go through the whole response and we look back on the kind of immunity aspects the lockdown mask effectiveness uh, the political aspects the pandemic kind of marketing and the pandemic mafia and a whole load of other insights we get from professor louts on the last couple of years Croatia is one of the lowest mass medicated countries in Europe. It is doing stunningly well. There are no restrictions whatsoever there. Um, Gordon reckons around 50 to 60% of people get it, as opposed to 10% or 15% in other countries in Europe. So an amazing kind of case history there in Croatia, similar to Sweden in ways. So enjoy. I'm here in beautiful Croatia with Professor Gordon Lutz in person. Nice great. to see you. Absolutely. And we had some great meat last night in your barbecue here in your villa. It's, it's unbelievably fantastic, uh, beautiful area. My first time in Croatia. Yeah, that, that's a failure so far, but maybe yeah. you can improve. <laughs> well, I can keep coming back. I can certainly do that. So I thought we'd have a couple of conversations, one later on, of course, on, on the whole glycome and all of that fascinating science. But the first one, looking back on the last couple of years of COVID, so you were essentially an advisor to the Prime Minister, the Croatian government on COVID policy? Yes, we had a team of advisors, I think slightly over 10 of us, which were advising our Prime Minister, and they were really trying to listen. So I was, for the first time, kind of positively surprised by the politicians that they were actually trying to listen to the science. And that and to the real science, not only to the money-driven science. Yeah, and Croatia actually did perform extremely well in terms of not imposing kind of absurd measures that we know were not really effective. It's been pretty good. I mean, in the original surge in April, May 2020, there were relatively few restrictions or not? So no, actually the first wave we had the strictest restriction in Europe. We were really, we went really sharp, and but we soon realized that you know, it's not really making the huge difference because, as I mentioned, we were following the science and there were papers in, uh, in summer 2020 showing that uh, all these tough things which make your life impossible would decrease the, the, the spread for maybe 10-20%. So you would actually only gain a few days, you know, the, the number of people infected will not get infected in 30 days, but in 33 or 35 days. And, and you are ruining so many things. So Croatia was really mostly, uh, was one of the mostly liberal countries in Europe, comparable to Sweden. And um, well, we did have many people recorded as dying with or COVID. We don't know who died with or who died of, uh, from COVID. But when you compare to the countries of a similar GDP. And now we know that actually GDP was the, the best predictor of mortality, because it is the best predictor of mortality from any cause, not only the COVID. We actually had less people dying than the neighboring countries which had more 
strict restrictions. So I think we did well. Yeah, and certainly the second wave when Eastern Europe, which kind of missed the first one in a sense, seasonally or because of viral dynamics, the second wave that was more severe for Eastern Europe, you guys did very few restrictions then, having learned from the science of lockdown not really working. So we were completely resisting the restrictions until the end of November and then we had an unfortunate situation that one person was in a position to blackmail the government to close the, the restaurants and, um, and, and sport for maybe two months or something like that. But compared to what was happening in other parts of uh, Europe, it was way better. I still think this was too much. We didn't gain anything from closing restaurants and cafes and, and, and gyms. You know, just people were staying home and getting fat. But unfortunately, this happened. Fortunately, less than most of other countries. Yeah, actually, fairly remarkably, in a sense, because I think at that stage, your advisory committee, in spite of the blackmail you mentioned, uh, the committee had done its job in terms of the politicians did understand now that the measures were very ineffective, mostly. So, it's not very simple. We're a relatively large committee, and there were some people who were really strongly advocating for very strong restrictions. So we got divided, we got into first internal fights, then this moved to media. We were openly fighting in the media, people asking for restrictions, people starting trying to explain that they don't actually do much. And our government was, um, was aligning on a side of reason because, you know, there were, I think, over 200,000 papers published in COVID and most of them is just junk science. Yeah. So there was very little real science being done. And what we were trying to do is to dissect good from bad and show the real data to our um, government. And we were also doing our own data analysis. We have um, one mathematician, uh, Nene Bakic, had a very important role because he was literally, he invested, I believe, two years of his life into collecting all the data, analyzing all the data, and, and kind of um, predicting the course. Of course, you can never predict, but you can do something like a technical analysis in, in, a, in, a, in a stock market when you kind of follow the trends and you know it will not just fly off. So if you know what will happen in the next few weeks, this is enough for planning. So with this, with this tool in our hands, we were able to persuade key people in our government that the restrictions will not make a big difference. And then the problem was, of course, there was the media pressure, there was lobbying from, the, from something called pandemic marketing, so the industry investing into marketing of pandemics to make a little bit more profit in the future. And uh, so the, the winter of 2020 was not easy in the media space, but I think before Christmas, before Christmas 2020, it was very clear the tide has turned, that the, the numbers are going down without the restrictions. So there, some restrictions were imposed, but they were imposed later and they were, they were relatively limited. So just the restaurants and, and the gyms, and they could not have turned the tide. So it was just a natural viral process, virus was spreading, and then it infected more or less everybody who was available and then it went down. 
when the new variant came, it was rising. So we are kind of sailing smoothly as a country. And now we are living normally. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic now. And I can attest to that. There's basically no restrictions and no masks anywhere in Croatia uh, as of currently in July 2022. I have, I've saw one mask maybe in a whole week and we've been around the town and everywhere. But this was a tourist. This was a an American, <laughs> so, probably. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately media managed to scare some proportion of people. So in Croatia, I think we have between 10 and 20 percent of people who are still afraid. But in some countries, it's much more. And occasionally we do see somebody with a mask in a car on his own or something like that. But this is a small minority. And at the moment, our government has very clear position here. So we had the prime minister saying that the majority of people who are now listed as dying from COVID are actually dying with COVID. So there are people who would die anyway, but they were just infected with COVID sometimes towards the end of their lifetime. This is what is happening now. Of course, in, 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 the, the, in the, the big waves of pandemics, some people were killed by the virus. It happens. So uh, we also had very clear statements from our, uh, the head of this um, kind of uh, emergency committee or whatever is the name, that we are not going to introduce any restrictions. And we also have very clear statements from uh, the head of our epidemiology institute is that masks do not help much with Omicron. He said with Omicron, they didn't help much before, but now that it's a formal position, they don't help with Omicron. So I do hope that the policy in Croatia will not change and that we will continue to live despite this one virus, which is just one of the hundreds or thousands of viruses. Yeah, and you say there the pandemic industry or a phrase you use, pandemic... Um, marketing? Marketing. Yeah, that's, and there is a stronger phrase, I think, that we touched upon, possibly even pandemic mafia in a sense, because of the profiteering of the pandemic from mass manufacturers to obviously pharmaceutical companies and to people who are gaining huge power like WHO and, and many, there's so many institutions and vaccine alliances. It's like the most influential people in the corporate world who have been influencing governments for decades on medical strategies for profit, it's like they all came out of the woodwork and made this massive front of influence. That's kind of what it felt like. It's, it's, it's complicated. So um, marketing is not necessarily illegal. No, you can have completely legal marketing of your products, which can be even pandemic products. And if you are just fulfilling a need for masks or for, for vaccines or whatever, this does not have to be illegal. It can be immoral, but it doesn't have to be illegal. But the moment you start blackmailing people, corrupting people, uh, forcing people to quit some committees to change the decision, or shutting down people, censoring people, this is bordering with criminal activity. And this, for that situation, I use the term pandemic mafia. So we have industry of pandemics, which is legal. We have their legal lobbyists and people doing marketing. Now, now when you look into, into uh, US television, there's so many shows sponsored by Pfizer. And they say, you know, it's brought to you by Pfizer because Pfizer has 
probably over 100 million profit in the last two and a half years. And they're investing it to make more profit. This can be completely legal. The problem is when you have a situation that, for example, we had the majority of advisory committees all around the world saying there's no need to vaccinate kids. And that was the position of FDA, that was the position of the German advisory committee, that was the position of the UK advisory committee. And then these positions change, usually after a few people left. And, and this pattern is, is concerning, because when you see a body making a reasonable decision, and decision is kids do not get, get a severe disease anyway, vaccines are not really helping a lot, no need to vaccinate kids. And there is a risk, of course. So you don't vaccinate kids. And, and committees make this type of decision. And then they change it. Why? Is there new science showing that, you know, kids are really endangered by this virus? No. Are there signs, is there evidence showing that vaccines are protecting kids from getting infected? No. Is there any significant effect on a reduction of hospitalization of kids? Not really. So why do we vaccinate kids? Why do we mandate vaccination? So you cannot go to US unless you are vaccinated. Why? Well, the why question is, is a problem for, for the pandemic mafia. Uh, but the beauty is if you have huge influence on media, you never have to answer that question. You simply steamroller ahead. And I guess that's what we've seen. You know, the kids argument is easy because the vaccines now demonstrably have very little effect on transmission. And even Fauci and Bill Gates recently in June and July have pretty much gone on the record and admitted that. So that whole argument of mitigation prevention to help granny, it's kind of gone. And then the ICU and mortality data, Professor Fenton in the UK and many others have done the analyses, very limited effect, even on mitigating harm to yourself, but that should be always your personal decision. So the whole suggestion of mandating to help society has fallen apart a long time ago, even back to Israel data in, mm -hmm. in early 21. And yet here we are, this remorseless move to mandate force in age brackets where it makes no sense, which is probably under 50 and in any way healthy, you could probably apply that general guide. But it, as a personal decision, it would be fine. If you're 49, you're healthy and you fear this flu, okay then. Yeah, yeah I know, I agree completely. Especially because, you know, age is, is a relative thing. No, they're very healthy 70-year-old and very unhealthy 20-year-old. And, and people are kind of um, hesitating to say that obesity was, was one of the main risk factors. And this is, this is something you can do about. You know, this obesity is not God-given. So instead of mandating vaccination and locking people in their houses for, for years practically, we could have promoted healthy lifestyle, physical activity, reducing weight, and then everything would be better and we would have a healthier planet. But no, no money in that. No money in that, and that's the problem. And indeed, vitamin D, and there's been a problem with vitamin D because people who are proponents of vitamin D kind of think if you chug a load of supplements and force your blood number up, that it's kind of magical, and I keep warning it's not. But that said, vitamin D status, blood levels of 25 OHD, reflect 
the obesity problem reflect insulin resistance. So hence we got the Israel report recently, a big study, huge study, corrected for confounders, 14 times more likely to have a severe outcome if you were low vitamin D. Yeah. I mean, 14 but, times. But we have to be careful. Mm. You cannot solve this problem by just taking vitamin D. Exactly, that's the point. So it's, it's uh, you know, yeah. you have, have to be careful because yes, vitamin D is very important. Mm. It's correlated with so many different diseases, yeah. but very few intervention studies, actually no intervention studies which demonstrate that supplementation helps. It's a lifestyle. You have to give, live a lifestyle which will increase your vitamin D and then vitamin D is just a biomarker. It's, it's, not, it's not a functional effector which you can just add and solve the problem. But yes, you have people on low vitamin D and you tell them, okay, go on sun, lose your extra weight, exercise a bit, not too much, not over-exercising, but exercising a bit, and, and you will be healthier. And then the viruses will be a less of a problem. And not only this virus, but also other viruses. Mm -hmm. Because especially now, after the over two years, and most of us had COVID at least once, or even more. Twice. Yeah, and uh, it's just one of the viruses. And we will probably get symptoms when our immune system decreases. There is some research being done in, um, before the pandemic for the last maybe five to 10 years since this um, high throughput sequencing became available. And approximately 40% of people would have some of their known respiratory viruses in their nose at any given moment. So there are viruses now in my nose, many of them. And if my immunity decreases, then I develop symptoms which we normally call cold. In many different languages, it's the same meaning. Cold, Erkrankung, uh, not Erkrankung, L, uh, what's the German word? I forgot. My German is horrible. Uh, it's, uh, but the thing is, your immunity goes down, viruses start to multiply. Then you activate your defenses, you have symptoms for a few days, and then you defeat the viruses. In the same time, you build up your immunity. And now we are in a situation that, for example, kids have not been exposed to regular viruses for two years. There was a recent, um, I think it, it was in BBC two days ago, for this mysterious uh, hepatitis in kids. It's regular viruses, which kids were not exposed to for two years. So actually, it was restrictions, which caused kids to have serious hepatitis. A number of kids had to have a liver transplant because of the restrictions. Because, you know, we are preventing our kids to develop their immune system. But is it not the case, Gordon, there was a shocking lack of any kind of care for the children and the younger generation during the whole process. The whole message was saving granny and no one cared, it appeared, about education loss, the economic determinants of health for children, the masking of infants in New York. And even in Ireland, they tried to do it and the people finally rose up and went to the Irish Parliament uh, with a demonstration. But they wanted to mask the kiddies, the youngest kiddies. All of this was, in a way, a massive kind of mass psychosis, child abuse kind of event, in a sense. No, it's, um, there's term, I've never heard it before, but now it became popular, the laptop class. Mm. You know, people, usually middle-aged, 
who live, they can work from their home, they can get their food delivered, they can get everything delivered, their salary is not endangered. They enjoy the pandemics. Yeah. We had, I, I'm a professor at university, we had some of our colleagues who would stay in their summer house for a year and a half or two. They said, you know, I'm not going to work, it's dangerous. I will enjoy here. And, and if students want to learn something, they email me and, and it's horrible. So we see, so students, university students, are, are adults, but we still see how much they failed to learn in two years of the online school. For, for, for elementary school, for pre-K, this was a nightmare. And, and, and we did it for nothing. And I think it's extremely important that people understand and realize that we did a huge damage to kids, to, to young people. You know, for me, two lives, two, two years of life are very different than for my teenage sons. Now, if you lose two years when you are 14, 15, 16, 17, it's way, way different than if you lose two years when you are 50-something. And we just made these decisions so easily, assuming that there would be no damage. Assuming, and yet, even in April, May 2020, in the UK and elsewhere, studies came out predicting life years lost potentially being larger because of lockdowns, and many studies hinted at what you just said, but the system did not want to hear that at all. I mean, it was, it was yeah. against the, the narrative. No, so many things were sacrificed for the greater good. Supposedly the greater yeah. good. So the idea was the greater good. The greater good, get rid of Trump. So we'll do whatever needed to get rid of Trump. And then the greater good, you know, save the planet from the virus. So we have to sacrifice a bit and then we'll save the planet from the virus. No, if it would work. No, I would say yes. You know, actually, I was the first person in Croatia who was openly advocating for universal masking in spring 2020. Because at that time, we thought this was um, a virus which is spreading through these uh, larger droplets, not through aerosol. Mm. And then, of course, mask would help. You know, if, if it yes. goes in a larger droplet, you put mask and this helps. But the moment we learned it's aerosol, masks don't help. Mm. They, they have absolutely no effect. And still we are forcing people to wear masks. Mm. E even now, today. And we know they don't work. That's the thing, we actually know they don't work. And since, I guess, summer of 2020, when in Europe they brought in mandatory masks out of the blue against all prior science and the aerosol kind of mechanisms were then being understood, so it made no sense. You know, again, it was relentlessly driven with fines and prison sentences in most of Europe. Like from the initial launch of the mask mandate, it came with fines and prison sentences, almost like they knew people might not quite go along with it. So they brought in the punishment with the advice. And we still have it in New York now, the mayor, and in California now in 2022, with case demic going on, California are apparently gonna bring back masks for everyone. Crazy. <laughs> but you know, masks are a symbol. Yes. It's it's symbol that, you know, it's not a normal situation. Danger. It's an emergency, your life is in danger. And then it's easier for people to accept other things. Like uh, personally, I was mostly objecting 
to mass testing, testing healthy people. Why are we doing that? What is the meaning of, and, and doing it with a PCR test. So what is the meaning of a few copies of an RNA of a virus in the nose of a healthy person? Many of these people never got ill. They were just, as you said, casemics. They were just positive. And, but this then generates the number of hospitalized cases. So we have, I think even now, we have something like 500 people in a hospital in Croatia, which is a small country, 4 million people, in a hospital with COVID. But they're not in a hospital because of COVID. They were in a hospital before and they just got positive. Or they're just, they came with an injury and they tested positive. Without testing, we would not know. But, and then people who are objecting, my view, they say, yeah, but if you're not, if you're kind of shutting your eyes, then you don't know. But, but you know, there are hundreds of other viruses. So why do we test for this single one? What makes it different today? It was different two and a half years ago when it came here for the first time. Nobody really had good. There was some cross immunity, but majority of people didn't have a strong immunity. So maybe we needed to learn to track, to monitor, to see what is going on. But today we know exactly what is going to happen. The number of infected people will rise and then it will fall. And it will rise and it will fall. Depending on a season, depending on just random dynamics of a virus, it's, this is happening. Is it really affecting the, the hospital capacity? No. So when we started talking about restrictions, it was lockdown for two weeks to save our hospitals. No? And we're doing it for two years. It's, it's so absurd. In a sense, Gordon, though, and I know when we, you were in our movie, COVID Chronicles movie, uh, talking a point, I think, on PCR, and you have a PCR lab, so you know how crazy it is to do the asymptomatic testing in mass scale, because it just drives madness. It, it has no real value. Uh, but in that movie, we covered a lot of stuff, and a lot of what we talk about now, but Sweden was a crucial control country. And I remember at the time, uh, my um, movie maker, producer, Donald, he was showing the clip of you and he referred to you and he said, well, Gordon said, you know, the lockdown will defer the problem. And that implies the lockdown really works. But then you, Ivor, are kind of saying the lockdown doesn't really do anything. And I made the comment that, well, you know, I think in the fullness of time, the lockdown did less than we even thought earlier on. And Sweden is the perfect thing. No lockdown, no masks, kids in school up to 16. That's extreme lack of lockdown, in fairness. And right through the major wave. And yet, their excess mortality is half that of UK and the average for Europe, even though they have an age of demographic. And their curves are pretty much the same. So it does appear that Sweden and all the other publications and, and you know, from Lancet to Woods Hole Institute and the hundred publications, they all kind of say, not that lockdown does very little, it's almost like the answer always is, it has no measurable effect on the excess mortality. <laughs> so it's, it's what I was usually trying to make a distinction is between the mandated things and individual actions. So there are individuals who actually manage to pro protect themselves from infection 
for a relatively long time, particularly laptop class. So if you, if you can isolate yourself, uh, get everything um, delivered, use proper masking, you can really protect yourself for six months, a year, two years. And maybe the best example was um, China or Hong Kong. They really managed, they closed the borders and for some time they didn't have many cases. But then what happened is that they got uh, the highest rate of infection and the mortality rates in anywhere in a short period of time. So they had a total overload of hospitals. They did the opposite of what they wanted to do, Hong Kong. And it's, um, you know, I think the important thing is, what are we trying to achieve? Mm. So, are we trying to protect our elderly from infection? If we are trying to do that, then we know that we will fail. There is no way to protect them. So if there is no way to protect them, are we doing all this to give them two additional weeks or months before they get infected? So what, what is the benefit? Especially now, you know, it's summer. So we know that this virus is seasonal in, in many aspects, including that the symptoms are different in the summer. And why are we now preventing people from getting infected? The number of ill people is low, the hospitals are not overloaded. Would it be better to get infected now or in November or December? I would always say, you know, get infected now and you'll get some protection for the November or December. But this was a heresy. You know, uh, for this type of statements, I was crucified by the media claiming, you know, he wants people to get infected. I said, no, I don't want people to get infected intentionally. I'm just saying what is the meaning of postponing the infection from June to November. We'll all get infected with this virus and with other viruses. So for, I think for over two years now, not two years, year and a half, I'm saying just forget about this. You know, go on, move forward. Some people will get ill, some people will die from all causes. And now I think we know that all these restrictions actually killed more people than the COVID. And, and they didn't save anybody. No. So we, we just killed people. Yeah, and in fact, in contrary to saving anybody, it's dramatically clear now from any publications that the cost of the lockdowns on human health, you know, will, will be impacting for years and will take far more life years than were saved, even if any were saved. And that's a question. And Sweden also demonstrated with no lockdown, no masks and kids in 16, up to 16 in school. And the parents were not allowed to keep them home. Even if the parents were worried, the Swedish policy was, no, you cannot keep them at home. That is wrong. It's bad for them. So with Sweden doing that, not only did they have one of the lowest excess mortalities and impacts in Europe, but right through the major wave, they only got up to 60% of ICU capacity, and the modeling said they go 10 times. They never even got near ICU capacity. Yeah. So again, just emphasizing that even claiming savings is, is doubtful, but the costs are enormous, beyond belief, in health, life years, so economically. I, I think it's clear that all these restrictions did not save anybody. Mm. You know, everybody got infection. Eventually. True. Everyone so positive. We all got yeah. infected. The, the one thing which we could speculate is uh, 
maybe before there were vaccines, the idea was, you know, let's wait for the vaccines and then maybe the vaccines will save the problem. This is something we can say, okay, that's a reasonable way of thinking. But the moment we have vaccines, doesn't matter whether they work or not work, we have vaccines, who wants to get vaccinated, they can get vaccinated. There's no, n zero argument for restrictions. But we still, as you mentioned, California is introducing masks. But I think you know, it's, it's just politicians and all these public health officials liking the power. Yeah. Power I money. control your life. And, 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 and money, of course. Money comes to the power. The power and money are, I always say to people, inextricably linked. And when people say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory or any of what we said, I always say, it's just business. I mean, I'm a corporate guy. You know, it's not a conspiracy theory with some mad kid guy, you know, with a cat. It's simply humanity. This is the way ultra capitalism is. Money and power will be fought for at all costs by people who have riven, risen to influential positions. And it's natural. I know it's terrible, but it's, it's natural. And yeah. So we, so I'm a scientist, so many scientists didn't even do it for money. Yeah. So no, I, I, I understand those who really paid a lot. You know, they got a lot of money and they do what they were paid. It's unethical, maybe it's not even illegal. So you know, they're making money. But so many people did it for media attention. No. You can tell your mom, mom, I'm on the TV. Uh, and as time is passing, what we have seen in Croatia, so first in the media, they're really top scientists claiming both sides of the story. So they're always people promoting restrictions and then the group of people of, uh, who are opposing restrictions. And with time, this initial group of scientists just stopped appearing in the media because they kind of realized, you know, they cannot achieve their objective, so they don't want to advocate for the, for the restrictions anymore. And then there are more and more lower level, not scientists anymore, now there will be some kind of a physicians or public health experts. So people with less and less authority, giving more and more media time. So we ended up, last year with nobodies, you know, people without any authority or credibility demanding restrictions with people from abroad. So not even people from Croatia or not even Croatian people living abroad, but some Slovenian people, Serbian people working in Germany were appearing in our media, spreading fear. So obviously, there was money behind it. Yeah. Either they were paid or media was paid and they just find a, a victim who would go and say something. But it, it was just marketing. So they were marketing fear for the benefit of, um, of course, corporate benefit, but also politicians liked it. Politicians like power. And, and especially when you look US, <coughs> you know, so many of the states have a government which really enjoys the, the opportunity to control people's lives. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's scary because we are 
willing to give them that power. You know, intellectuals, educated people, people who were fighting for freedom in the past, now they're giving power to the politicians and to some kind of officials which claim they know, while they don't know anything, because we don't know. You know, we, we don't know so many things about the virus, and we especially don't know whether, you know, in a bar you can be one meter apart, one and a half meter apart, can you stand, can you sit? Uh, you don't have mask all the time, but if you go to the toilet, you put your mask on. It's crazy. crazy. Everything is just stupid, but it's, it's people liking the power. Yeah, no, that is a huge thing, and we'll, we'll have to curl this to a close now, but... You know, that's the thing. It was all ritualistic. And uh, Professor Michael Levitt, actually, from early on, used a great phrase. He said, the science now we're applying is essentially medieval type science. It's essentially superstition in the absence of knowing or by going against all of our mask and pandemic management science of the last 40 years in the West, by go throwing that in the trash can and going with a China idea. We're just literally going out into the boonies of medieval type superstition. And he was correct to this day. He was saying that in yeah. April 2020. Um, and I agree totally. But you know what? We might wrap it up with the status now in Croatia, because Croatia, due to yourself and, and many others in your team, you managed to keep some sanity uh, and help the Croatian government, you know, use real science. So that's to be commended. But Croatia right now is nothing's going on, no restrictions for a long, long time. And you've got around only 50% vaccinated of, of adults or approximately is it? It's very low in European terms. It's a little bit more. So we are, I think, 50% of total population, slightly below 70% of adults. But we have practically very small level of boosters. So people... Oh, boosters, no yeah, boosters. There, some people got the third booster, but it's, um, you know, we... There's still so little science about the boosters, you know. Are they even safe? You know, what is the long-term effect of a repeated vaccination with the same mRNA vaccine? Nobody knows that. So, our government was really reasonable in a way that was not mandating too many things. So, many things were left as kind of uh, recommendations or suggestions. And I think uh, it was really important that we have this, our own team, and I have to say again, the Nenad Bakic did a great job in analyzing all the data and, and feeding both um, the government and, and the public with, with facts, you know, with numbers. You have a look, see, this is what it is. It's not the fear which you can read in, in the headlines of a media. This is where it stands. And I think Croatia is, sailing in the calm waters for now. Although I was over, overly optimistic even the last summer, but then we had, we had this um, COVID certificate introduced. So European Union is a big problem because um, decisions are made at the level where there is also suspicion of potential corruption. Who knows what is going on there? So it's, um, I'm not sure what will happen. I'm afraid, I, I know there are attempts to reintroduce measures here. There was a media offensive last couple of weeks, now it's it calmed down. But the moment the, the, this last wave, which is everywhere in Europe, started in Croatia, there was a huge media offensive. So the, the media started to share, to spread fear unbelievably. 
but you know, people just looked around and say, you know, come on, guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is nothing going on, or like this uh, monkeypox thing now. No, you look around and say, yes, we have 10 cases in Croatia in a very limited community. Is this something we really have to be scared about? So if not, why are you writing about that? And we still have some media which are kind of asking these questions. So, you know, why are you spreading fear? Do you have some interest behind that? Are you being paid? Are your, all of your sponsors revealed? Did you declare everything what is going on? We have some of the scientists going to media and spreading fear. And then there is a question, okay, did you declare your connection to some of the industry of pandemia? And then usually they shut up. They stop <laughs> saying right. Because you know, there, there is a lot of dirty money around. And if you just follow that money and just indicate to the people, you know, what you're doing, it's not really legal. You're going to end up in jail for spreading fear because you're paid to do that. Then things, things come down. Yeah, well, that's excellent, Gordon. And Croatia, it is, it looks like, is kind of returned to sanity, common sense, and appropriately questioning, uh, you know, follow the money. Uh, because that's something we gave up during the pandemic madness of 2020. But it's great to see now that, at least in Croatia, and to an extent in the UK and elsewhere, people are beginning to go back to appropriate cynicism and ask, why are these messages that don't really make sense? Why are you saying it? And that why question, so important that I just wish our media across Europe would have done earlier. So, yep. great stuff, Gordon. Thanks so nice much. Nice talking to you again. And a big call out to Nenad, who you mentioned. I won't try and pronounce the second name. Nenad Bakic. Bakic. Yeah, Nenad was super in Croatia, and I linked up with him way back. And he used to feed me data, and it was, it was just excellent. Great network around the world. Great stuff. As always, please hit the like button and comment below, join the discussion and also subscribe and hit that notification bell. And again, as always, huge thanks to all my supporters out there on Patreon and PayPal, you know, with trips, interviews, editing and all the work I do. Uh, Got to run a family too. Uh, really appreciate the support. So I'll keep bringing you the science, the best guests, the integrated data that makes sense, as opposed to the corporate biased coverage uh, that most people are inundated with. So thanks so much.